This audio podcast is from the River Church in Fort Worth, Texas. We hope God uses it to encourage and grow your relationship with Christ. For more information about the River Church, visit us online at theriverdfw.com or facebook.com backslash theriverdfw. How's everybody doing today? Good. For some of you. (laughs) I am so glad that you're here today. Um, at the River Church, we are uh, continuing in our series, Who Is This Jesus? And before we jump into that, let me say this. If you have your worship guide this morning, um, in there are some, uh, uh, there's some notes. And so there's a paper in there that has kind of an outline of what we'll be walking through. And so uh, that's just to help you um, follow along and, and to help you kind of remember what we talk about. And so I'd encourage you to, to take those, to use that, to take advantage of that. Also, um, we're going to be having Baptism Sunday on April 28th. And so um, if you are interested in getting baptized, put that on the communication card, write that down, uh, put that in the basket when it comes around later on, and uh, we'll talk about uh, what that looks like for you. So uh, let's jump right in. We are walking through a series entitled, Who is this Jesus? And we, and we kind of started the series um, because a lot of people are asking a question. Can you guess what the question is? Who is this Jesus, right? And so there's a lot of people out there asking that. And I think that as we look around in our world, there's a lot of people who kind of have a twisted view or a twisted understanding of who Jesus is. And it's even kind of based on their own experience, probably with other Christians, um, their own experience based on other Christians, uh, and, and excuse me, their own experience based on uh, church and just what they think. Like you even heard Katie talk about this morning, some pressures and things that she was putting on herself uh, in the worship set. She was saying, here's some pressures I'm putting on myself that God doesn't do that. God told me, I'm not... I'm not doing that. You're putting that on yourself. And I think a lot of us um, view God in a similar way as this, as, as this guy views his wife in a, in a story I, I was told the other day. And so I, I was talking to this guy and I asked him, I said, hey man, uh, man you, you've been married for like 30 years, 30, 35 years. How, what is the secret to the success of your marriage? You, you, you and your wife seem to get along so well. What's the, what's the secret to, to your marriage? And he said, well, it all started on our honeymoon. And he said, back when we first got married, uh, we went out and we got some horses and we were going on like a beach horse ride. Anybody ever done that? Horse ride on the beach? Yeah? No? Anybody would like to? Maybe we go get some horses. There's Grapevine Lake. We go walk on Grapevine Lake with horses. Anyways, so they go and they're doing this, this walk on the beach with the, the horses. And as they're going, she, he said his wife's horse started to kind of veer off the path a little bit. And so she got off the horse and walked down and she looked at the horse in the eyes and goes, that's one. So that's kind of weird. She got back on the horse and they're riding along and, and the horse started veering off again. She got down and she goes, that's two. He's like, I've never seen this before. This is kind of strange. So gets back on the horse. She's going, walking. Horse, she, the horse veers off again. She gets down. She goes, that's three. Pulls out a gun and shoots the horse. Now I am not advocating for animal violence. I am against that. I want you to know that. And as she's walking back, he's going, what are you doing? You can't shoot a horse? Crazy. He's like, who did I marry? Like, you can't, you can't, we're going to have to pay for that? What is wrong with you? And he said, she looked at him and goes, that's one. <laughs> See, Katie, I told you that's a funny joke. I told her that earlier, and she's like, I don't that's not funny. He said, ever since then, we've gotten along just fine, just fine. So he's never gotten to number three, right? But I think some of us kind of, that's how we feel about God, or at least that's how we think God's looking at us. He's looking at you and he's going, that's one, that's two, 
and you're just hoping he doesn't get to three because you do not want that lightning bolt coming down, right? That's, that's how we think about God. And so we wanted to walk, kind of walk through this series and ask that question, who is this Jesus? And try to answer it, not based on all kinds of different ideas from the world, but based on the scriptures and what the Bible says about who Jesus is. And so week one, we, we walked through the, uh, who Jesus said he was. And the first thing he says he is, is he says, I'm God. I'm God, I'm, I'm the God of the universe. And so we talked about what that looked like last, uh, second week we talked about Jesus as our friend and not like your buddy, your pal, but Jesus as Emmanuel, the God who is with you, the God who walks with you, the God who understands you because he's experienced what you've gone through in his life as a human being here on earth. And last week we talked about Jesus as the miracle worker. The God who still is able to perform miracles in your life, to transform your life, to change your life, to heal your life, to change your circumstances, because he still is an all-powerful, almighty God, the miracle worker. And so this week, we're going to be continuing on, and we're going to talk about Jesus as the shepherd. And in John chapter 10, verses 10 and 11, Jesus says this, a thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it in abundance. I am the good shepherd. The shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now we hear this idea a lot, the shepherd, Jesus is the shepherd. And, and, and we might even ask that question, what does that mean? I mean, I know shepherds have like, they got like a stick and like this robe and they are out there with the sheep. But what exactly does that look like? And so what I want to do today is I want to walk through one of the most famous uh, verses in the Bible, f- most famous chapters in the Bible that talks about who the shepherd is, what a shepherd is. As, as a matter of fact, it's one of those verses in the Bible that somebody who's maybe even never been to church doesn't even know anything about Jesus, they, they probably know this verse because it's that famous. And so I want to walk through um, Psalm 23. And if you're here today, go, he just said that. And I don't know this, this Psalm. It's okay. It's just all right. Don't feel bad. This is, but anyways, I want to look, walk through this, uh, this chapter, and I simply want to look at this text and see, pull out a few different things that the shepherd, our shepherd Jesus, does for the flock. What shepherd, our shepherd Jesus does for the flock. And so let's, I'm just going to just go, if that's okay. I got a lot to cover this morning. So number one, the first thing the shepherd does for the flock. Somebody didn't like that idea. The first thing the shepherd does for the flock is the shepherd provides for the sheep. Psalm 23 verse 1 says this, the Lord is my shepherd, there is nothing I lack. The first thing the shepherd does is he provides for the sheep. And some of you guys are going, he's just doing verse 1? We're going to be here for a while. Buckle up, baby. Let's do this, all right? The shepherd provides for the sheep. Now, we all know, we've all been through, we've all walked through lean times, haven't we? Like we've all experienced times in our lives where we're going, I don't know if there's going to be enough money. I don't know if I have enough resources. I don't know if I'm going to have enough. But what I would say in my own experience, and if we were honest with ourselves, if we looked at Jesus, now he provides for us, even in the times that we were afraid we didn't have enough or we were afraid we wouldn't have enough, the shepherd always provided for our needs. And maybe you can hear this morning, you're going, well, Mike, I don't know. I need to talk to you about that. Well, here's, here's what I would say is sometimes we confuse a need with a want. Amen? No amens on that one. Sometimes we confuse a need with a want. Here's what I mean. You don't need a new iPhone. Like, but it's, it's cracked. I'm, my fingers are bloody. It's okay. It's okay. Anybody ever had that? I have. I've cut my finger on my iPhone before. All right. It's cracked screen. Steve Jobs. Anyways, you don't need the new iPhone. We don't, we don't need the second house or the third house or maybe even the bigger house. We don't, we don't need the new car. We don't even need, this one's going to upset some people in here. We don't even need Netflix. You can just share a password with somebody else, right? 
We don't even need Netflix. And anybody in here who just bought like a new house or phone or car, they're like, how does he, why is he talking about me this morning? I'm not, I don't know what you just bought, okay? But we, we confuse needs with wants. Like you go to a third world country and you'll see the difference between a need and a want. Am I right? See, and, and here's the thing is we don't, maybe we don't always get what we want, but God has always been faithful to provide for our needs. There's some great philosophers out there called the Rolling Stones. And they said this, you can't always get what you want. You can't always get what you want. You can't always get what you want. But if you try sometimes, you might find, come on, you get what you need. And that's our experience as Christians is that God has always, always, always been faithful to provide our needs. The problem is God is so faithful to us as our shepherd that sometimes we get so used to it, we don't recognize it. Am I right? Like, let me give you an example. As a kid, I would wake up in the mornings, I would walk in the kitchen, and I would walk over and pull the Cheerios off the top of the refrigerator and walk over, pour the milk, eat my cereal. Not once did I walk up, wake up in the morning and start walking in the kitchen going, I hope there's food to eat today. Not, not once did I walk in there and go, man, I, I hope, I wonder if the Cheerios are there. I wonder, right? And I'll tell you this, I definitely didn't pull them down and go, Lord, thank you so much for my mother and father who went to the grocery store and provided my needs right? Why? Because I was just used to the Cheerios being there, right? I never wondered. I never worried about if my needs were going to be met. As a kid, I just walked in and the Cheerios were always there, right? And I didn't even really appreciate it because I was just so used to having my needs provided for, right? Now, I'll tell you this, as a parent of two kids who have diaper needs and food needs, now I am so thankful for my parents because I understand a lot more, amen, right? But that's us as Christians in another way. We get so used to the shepherd providing for us that sometimes we just walk in, we're so used to the Cheerios being there that we don't think about it. And it's not really until the lean times in our lives that we really understand how much the shepherd actually provides. And so I'm going to say this, not to scare you this morning, but sometimes we need the lean times. Sometimes we need the difficult times. Sometimes we need the times where we go, I don't know if there's going to be enough because we need to be reminded of how well our shepherd Jesus provides for us. We need to be reminded of how well our shepherd Jesus provides for us so that we can be reminded of how thankful we need to be. Last week or a couple weeks ago, I had something cool happen. Uh, somebody came down and they said, Mike, I want, I want you to pray with me about a certain need I have in my life. I need, I need you to pray with me. And so I said, all right, awesome, let's do this. So we prayed and next week, same person comes down and I'm going, oh man, God didn't meet that need. We're gonna have to pray about this again. And something that never happens to me happens. This person walked down and said, Mike, I want, I want you to pray with me again. I said, okay, you still need that need? He said, no, God answered it. I just wanna pray and thank him. Amen, right? That's, I think, what Jesus appreciates. We get so used to the shepherd providing our needs, we need to step back and go, shepherd Jesus, thank you for how you provide for me. And something else that's pretty cool is that as a church and as Christians, we get to take part in the shepherd providing for each other's needs. The the shepherd Jesus uses other Christians and churches to help provide and supply for each other, to help take care of each other. Like As a matter of fact, when we started the River Church, when we began this thing, we wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for other churches who supported us and helped us get our feet off the ground, right? The shepherd Jesus uses other Christians to help support each other. Natalie Powell, who's in Uganda right now, wouldn't be here if, or wouldn't be in Uganda if it wasn't for the generous support of Christians in the church, right? God uses other Christians to support. And if you don't know who Natalie is, uh, she's the first missionary of our church. She just left a few weeks ago to go to Uganda for two years to start a speech pathology clinic. 
She wouldn't be there if it wasn't God using Christians like you and your generosity to help get her there, right? So not only does God provide our needs, but he uses us to help do that, which to me, I think is pretty cool. I think that's pretty cool. So number one thing the shepherd does is he uh, provides. The second thing we see the shepherd do is he renews. Verse two says, he lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. And other translations translate, translate that as he restores my soul. I think I like that a little bit better. He restores my soul. Anybody need a little restoration today? Yeah. Well, how does the shepherd do this? Well, it says he he lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. I think that's I think that's rest. I think a lot of that's rest. The shepherd leads me to rest. Life, business, work, school. There's so many things that we have going on in our lives that take a toll on us and just suck the life out of us. And then because we have all these things happening that just suck the life out of us, we're not able to enjoy the things that give us life, right? Like, let me give you an example. Have anybody ever had a friend call you recently and go, hey, let's go out to dinner? And you go, no, no. Right? You're like, and I, I like hanging out with you, right? Like, there's people we like hanging out with, and they're like, hey, you want to come hang out? And you're like, no, I just want to sit on my couch and watch Netflix for eight hours. Mike, don't you tell me that's not a need, right? Don't you tell me Netflix isn't a need, right? Anybody else besides me? We're so tired. And some of that comes with us needing to reprioritize, but, but the, the, we get so busy, we're going so hard that the things are supposed to breathe life into us. We're too exhausted to, to enjoy. We go and we go and we go and we go. And God is our shepherd, makes you chill. He makes you relax. He comes to you and says, stop. Right? Like as a kid, my parents told me that I would just run and run and run and run and run and run and run. And then they'd just find me passed out in random places. Because what happens, I finally just couldn't go anymore and I would stop. Some of us are living life like that. And we just finally eventually crash and it's really bad and really ugly. And Jesus is our shepherd going, rest, it's okay. It's okay. That's, that's literally, that's why he instituted the Sabbath. He said, six days you will work, one day rest. I'm giving you the Sabbath so that you will rest, renew restore. It's not a command that's meant to like, you better rest or I'm going to get you. No, it's this is for your good because I love you. Rest. So how do we do that? How do we rest, Lord? Well, some of it is literally just resting, just sleeping. I was talking to Ryan yesterday. He said he fell asleep at what, 830 the other day and woke up, slept 10 hours with kids. He's like, I don't remember the last time I did that. You need to rest, dude. Relax, (laughs) sleep. How do we, sometimes we just need to rest. Others is this, another, other ways God restores us is through worship. We come in this space, we come in this place and we worship God. And as we worship him and singing, speaking truths about who he is, glorifying him and our worship and our voices, he restores us, he renews us with his presence. And as he comes, he brings his Holy Spirit's presence in this place, it renews you, it restores. That's why we do on Sabbath, on Sunday, that's why we come to church, that's part of it, so that we can be restored by Jesus. He uses his church to restore you. So number one, he provides. Number two, he restores. Number three, the shepherd leads us. The shepherd leads. Verse three says, he renews my life. He leads me along right paths for his name's sake. And John 10, three through five says this, the doorkeeper opens it for him and the sheep hears his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought all his own outside, he goes ahead of them and the sheep follow him. Check this, why why do the sheep follow him? Because they recognize his voice. They will never follow a stranger. 
Instead, they will always run away from him because they don't recognize the voice of strangers. Anybody know a lot about sheep? I don't. Two things I know about sheep. They're really dumb. Number two, they specifically know their shepherd's voice. Like if we were to go out and I don't know really agricultural terms because I don't know a lot about agriculture, but if we were to go out and there was like a flock of sheep or is that correct? Sheeps, sheep. Okay. Sheep, sheeps. I don't know. And uh, there was hundreds, picture thousands of sheep. And there's several shepherds out there who have all have different flocks. Each shepherd has a different call, whether it might be a whistle or a word or a, you know, I don't know, whatever it might be. If he does that particular call, what's going to happen is the sheep that belong to him are going to go boop, boop, and they're going to walk to their shepherd. And not the other sheep, only the sheep who recognize the specific call, the specific voice of their shepherd. As a kid, I often wandered off in stores a lot. Anybody else? I would like wander off in stores. And so the way I would always find my way back to my parents, (laughs) my mom's going to kill me for my mom's cough. Like, it wasn't even like something sweet, like, oh, Michael, where are you? No, it was like, <coughs> that's my mom. I know her. I found her, like, literally, honest truth. Like, that's how I would find her back. She was my mom. I knew her cough. That may not be very spiritual, <laughs> but I think it applies, right? Here's, here's what I'm trying to say. Jesus, our shepherd Jesus, wants you to be so close to him. Know him so deeply that you can recognize his voice. I've been praying this for myself this week. There is, there is an intimacy between the sheep and the shepherd. And, and I'll tell you this, our, Jesus knows you deeply. He knows you intimately. He knows everything about you, the stuff you want him to know and the stuff you don't want him to know, right? But he knows everything about you and he wants you to know him in the same way. He wants you to know his voice in the, the same way so that when he calls to you, when he speaks to you, when he directs you, you're able to recognize his voice against all the other voices, You say, well, how do we do that? Number one is the scriptures. We look at the word of God and we're able to judge everything else based on what the word of God says and we're able to hear his voice through the word of God. Other ways we hear the the word of God, I'll say this again, is through worship. As we worship him, we experience him, we hear his voice and prayers. We go to him in prayer, we're able to spend time with him. All these things have to do with spending time with him, getting to know him so that as we spend time around the shepherd, we recognize we hear his voice. And then when something comes up in our lives that is not from Jesus, that is not of God, we're able to recognize it and we're not tricked by it. So when the false shepherds or the other shepherds try to get us to go into their path or go into their flock, we're able to go, nope, I know my shepherd's voice and you ain't my shepherd. So you can just Get your little yee 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 out of here, right? So as he calls us and we recognize his voice and we follow him, where does he lead us? It says he leads me in right paths. What are right paths? I would say this. I think right paths are uh, as closer to him, right? He leads us in, we talked about sanctification last week. He leads us closer to him. He, he guides our lives. He uh, takes us um, into growth. He grows us like these paths he takes us on are paths of growth. And you might go, Mike, uh, my, my life, my path feels more like a path of destruction right now. Anybody raise your hand? Just kidding. Don't raise your hand. Like, help me, right? Here's what I would say. If you're walking down a path, you're going, I feel like the shepherds just lead me down a path of destruction. I don't want to hurt your feelings, but I want to ask you this question. Number one is, did you go there yourself? (laughs) 
Because sometimes what happens is, is we quit following the shepherd's lead and we go off on a path of our own. And then one year down the line, two years down the line, five years down the line, we look at Jesus and we go, why did you do this to me? And Jesus is like, me? You stopped listening to my voice a long time ago, right? So if you're walking down a path and it feels more like a path of destruction, I want to ask you to be honest with yourself and ask yourself that question first and foremost. Secondly, if you're walking on a path and you're going, no, I know Jesus has taken me down this path that just hurts, I, I would say this, you, maybe it's a path of growth. Maybe he's developing you. Maybe he's transforming you. And then thirdly, in that, in that verse, it says, he leads me for his name's sake. What does that mean? It means this, as God directs your life, as Jesus uh, directs your path, what he's going to do is he's going to direct your life in a way that brings glory and honor to him. You say, what does that mean, glory and honor to Jesus? What are you even talking about? Here's what I mean. He's going to direct your life to live your life in such a way that your suffering, that the good things that happen to you, the bad things that happen to you, the weird things that happen to you, all of those, you live your life in such a way that when people look at your life, as you're even walking through those things, they see Jesus in the way you live your life. Does that make sense? So it's for his name's sake. What does that mean? So that when people look at you, they see Jesus. And then guess what? As they see Jesus, they get to experience the same Jesus that you do, that you get to experience because they see him in your life. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Number four, number four, the shepherd walks with us. Verse four, even as I go through the valley or the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Second Timothy 4, 16 to 17 says this, at my first offense, no one stood by me. Everyone deserted me. May it not be counted against them, 17, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that the proclamation might be fully made through me and the Gentiles might hear. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. I'm just going to say this briefly. In your worst moments, the shepherd is with you. We've all walked through times where we feel abandoned. We've all walked through times where we felt completely alone. But let me tell you this, in, your, in your most, the moments where you felt most alone, in the moments where everybody else leaves you, when everybody you depended on abandons you, the shepherd is with you. And there's, there's people out there that, that, that preach a, I would say, a false gospel, which means this. If you become a Christian, you will never experience pain, heartache, or troubles. You know what that is? A lie. Anybody here experience pain, heartache, and troubles? Well, then you're not a Christian. <laughs> Just kidding, right? Even as Christians, we're going to experience difficult things in life. You know why? Because we live in a broken world with broken people who do bad things to each other, right? And so Jesus doesn't promise you, hey, it's always going to be perfect. Everything's going to go just the way you want it. But what he does promise to you and I is that I will be with you. Hebrews 13, 5, he says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I think, I think we know this to be true. If there's anyone in this room who's walked through a difficult time, and we all have because we're human beings, Maybe in the moment you felt like I was alone, God wasn't with me, he abandoned me. Maybe you even got angry at him, but that's understandable. David did. If you read the Psalms, there's times David looking at God going, where are you? Why aren't you with, why have you abandoned me? And then you read a few chapters later and he goes, oh, I see where you were with me the whole time. Here's, here's why I say that. I think that in the moment, it may feel like he's not with you, but if you were to look back a year from now, two years from now, five years from now, back at that moment, you will see the ways that God was walking with you, helping you, guiding you, even bringing people into your, your life to let you know he was there for you. 
This last week, I had a kind of a moment like that. Uh, God kept bringing somebody to my mind. I said, I'm just going to reach out to him. I'm going to shoot him a text. Say, hey, man, how are you? How's the family? I hope you guys are doing okay. The person responded to me and said, actually, we're going through a really difficult time, but we're okay. But it's funny you text me because this morning I was talking to my wife about how we needed to reach out to you. Coincidence? I think not, right? You know what that was? That was Jesus, me as their pastor, that was Jesus prodding me going, hey, Mike, I want you to reach out to that person because I want you to just let them know that I see them. To be seen by God is a very important thing for us, isn't it? For us to know that he, hey, I I see you, I'm here. It's okay. It's okay. The shepherd walks with us. And sometimes as he walks with us, you know what the shepherd has to do? Number five, the shepherd defends us. Verse four, let me read that one again. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. When I was a teenager, I was a little mouthy. And uh, sometimes I would get myself in trouble. And so one time uh, we were at a arena league football game, my youth group was, and uh, I went off to like the bathroom or something and I come back. And uh, some these people in front of us, they were like drunk, acting stupid, and they put all their trash like in my seat and where I was sitting. Like, you know what I'm saying? I, I walked back, I was like, what all this trash? And whoever was with me like pointed to them, which by the way, thanks for, you know, telling them that that was my seat, you know? I'm like, I'll tell on them, but I'm not going to help you, you know? <laughs> Appreciate you. Anyways, so I looked at them, I was like, hey, get your trash. And they, they were like, there was like a dad and his like teenage sons or whatever. And he's like, he's like, no, you just, just move it. Just kick it out of the way. I was like, this is your trash. Get your trash. I don't want to deal with your trash. No, man, just do so. Get your trash, bro. Guy stands up. I'm like 13 years old. Stands up. No. What are you going to do about it? About this time, my youth pastor who sent the end of the row, who's like 6'2", 240, beast of a man, stands up. Hey, is there a problem? No, man, we're good. Hey, let me get this trash out of your way, sir. Hope you guys enjoying the game. Have a good game. The shepherd defends, baby, right? <laughs> the reason I tell you that story is because oftentimes I've heard people even preach this, uh, Psalm 23, and they talk about the staff and the rod, and they're like, you know why it comforts me? Because the shepherd beats me back into line with it. No? Anybody, does that comfort anybody? Hey, on your way out here, I'm going to hit you with a stick to remind you to be good. Anybody excited about that idea? I will say this, there are times that I need the shepherd to knock me on my head and put me back in line, okay? I totally, fully admit to that. I welcome that. I welcome that. But that's not what David's talking about here. <laughs> that's not why he's saying your, your staff comforts me because you beat me with it, Jesus. Thank you. No. <laughs> he's saying the, the staff comforts me, the rod comforts me, because it's not for you. You know who it's for? It's for the wolf. It's for the wolf. There are wolves out there who are coming to devour you, who are coming against you. There is spiritual battles out there that are being fought, that are rising up against you. And and here's the thing, I'm going to tell you, and I don't want to scare you, but I'm just going to be honest with you. The wolf is not scared of you. The wolf is not scared of you. You know what the wolf is scared of? that staff. You know what the wolf is scared of? Jesus. And let me tell you this morning, Jesus stands between you and he stands between me and he holds that staff and he beats back the wolves. 
John 10, 11 says this, I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. And if you were to go back right before verse 11 and verse 10, Jesus talks about the bad shepherd. And he talks about the shepherd who's, he's just a hired hands and he doesn't really care about the sheep. So at the first sign of danger, the shepherd runs away and Jesus is contrasting himself between that shepherd and what he tells us. He says, I'm the good shepherd because I will lay my life down for you. He's, the shepherd's job is difficult. The shepherd's job is hard. The shepherd's job is tiring. The shepherd's job is hazardous. And Jesus, as the good shepherd, he says, I will lay my life down for you because, I, because you belong to me. He says, I paid for you. And I ain't letting no wolf get to you, baby. I'm going to stand in the gap and I am going to protect you. And our Jesus shepherd is known by his passionate commitment to the sheep. And his intention is to live and to die to protect the sheep. Anybody glad you're a sheep today? Jesus is willing to come between the flock and danger. And he says, and I will die for you. And the good shepherd says, I'm unwilling to even lose one. You ever heard the parable of the 99? There's a hundred sheep, a hundred lambs, sheep, whatever. One of them got away. One of them ran away. The shepherd left the 99 to go rescue the one. As I think about this, I imagine a picture of a flock that's just facing siege, that's just facing danger from every end. You've got wolves and bears and lions just coming to devour the sheep, attacking the sheep, trying to come for the sheep. And I, I picture Jesus standing in between with the staff and he's beating them back one by one by one for your sake and for my sake. And you think, well, Mike, that's, that's some pretty imagery. But let me tell you, that's no imagery. That's exactly what Jesus did on the cross for you and me. He looked at our greatest enemy, sin, death, hell and the grave. And as it was attacking and attacking and attacking and coming for you and coming for me, Jesus stood between it and he beat it back, beat it back, blow by blow by blow until he gave his life on the cross, looked it directly in the eye and defeated it once and for all. Can somebody please get excited about that this morning? Let's try that again. Beat it back once and for all. Thank you, thank you, thank you. For that, we worship the shepherd today. And if you can't get excited about that, we are going to check your pulse after church. We have a nurse outside with all those weird pulse checking things. She's going to make sure you're alive. We have a shepherd who provides for us. We have a shepherd who renews us. We have a shepherd who leads us. We have a shepherd who walks with us. We have a shepherd who defends us. And we have a shepherd, number six, we have a shepherd who blesses us. Verse five, he says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies and you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows and only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all of the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. He says, in the presence of the Lord, in the house of the Lord, we are going to find blessing. We're going to find anointing. We are going to find, I love this, a faithful love that pursues me. Some of us in this place, all of us in this place, have been let down by people who are supposed to love us. We've been let down by people who are supposed to protect us. 
We've been let down by people who were supposed to take care of us, walk with us, love us to the end. And as we've experienced that, we've been disappointed by it, right? But we have a Jesus shepherd who says, my love pursues you. My love chases after you to bring you back into the house of the Lord where you will find blessing and anointing for me. To bring you into this presence where you find peace and joy and life. I want you to know this morning, River Church, that the shepherd is pursuing you with the most perfect love that will never let you down, that will never leave you, that will never forsake you. He will... He will provide for you. He will renew you. He will lead you. He will walk with you. He will defend you and he will bless your life. And I'm not talking about riches. I mean, I hope he blesses you with riches. But by his presence, by knowing him, he's gonna, your cup will overflow. And so this morning, I, I think the only way you say, how do we respond to all of these truths? How do we respond to that? Number one is know the shepherd. Because if you don't know the shepherd, you don't get any of that. If you don't know the shepherd, you don't experience any of that. And number two, I say this, the way that we respond is we worship the shepherd. We worship the shepherd. And so I want to ask you to stand with me this morning. Go ahead and stand up. And what we're going to do is we're just going to worship the shepherd for these truths. And, And every single week, something that we do is we, at the end of my talk or sermon or whatever you want to call it, we, we sing a song and we, you know, we worship. And you might go, Mike, why do we always do that? Is it just transition sake? We're just trying to transition over so that you can take up the offering? No, we're doing it because what I want to do is, is respond to Jesus about what we just talked about. So as we talk about these truths in his words, we talk about the good shepherd who provides for us, who renews us, who leads us, who walks with us, who defends us, who blesses us. As we talk about the goodness and the greatness of who our God is, I want our hearts to respond to him in worship. And so that's why we sing these songs at the end. It's an opportunity for you to respond to what you've just heard. And so I'm, I'm going to ask you to do this. I'm going to pray in just a second. And, and I'm going to, I don't do this a lot. I did it last week. I'm going to do it again this week. Maybe I'll do it some more often. I don't know. I'm going to ask you guys to close your eyes and bow your heads. Go ahead and do it right now. Now, I'm not going to get weird on you. I'm not going to ask you to come down front. I'm not going to, you know, whatever. I just want to pray for you this morning. And so I'm going to ask you this. If you're in here this morning, you're going, Mike, all those things you're talking about, the shepherd, I need that. I need to know that shepherd. If you say, Mike, I need to know the shepherd today. I want to give my life to the shepherd today. I want to experience the shepherd today. I want to ask you right now, just go ahead and raise your hand up. Just go ahead and raise your hand. And what I'm going to do for you this morning, I'm just going to pray over you and just ask that you would experience the shepherd and his fullness, that you would know him in the deepest way possible. So one last time, if you want to know the shepherd this morning, raise your hand. I'm just raise your hand. Okay. I'm going to pray for you this morning. God, I love you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for all of those in here, all over the room who've raised their hands up, that they want to know the shepherd. They want to experience the shepherd. They want to find and know the shepherd that provides, that renews, that leads, that walks with us, that defends us shepherd that blesses us, Jesus. Lord, I pray as we respond and worship to these truths about who you are, that we would experience the shepherd and his fullness, that we would know the shepherd and his fullness. And that when I say, hey, who knows the shepherd's voice? We could raise our hands and say, oh, I know my shepherd. I know him in the deepest. I love my shepherd. I have experienced the shepherd, Jesus. He defends me. He provides for me. I love him so much, God. 
We worship you with our hearts, Jesus. And as we, the band comes and we sing, let's, let us worship you with all that we are because you, you, you alone are the good shepherd. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's worship the shepherd today, River Church.